Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. You're just passing mental gas. Um, hmm. All right, sounds good. I'm just going to take this sweater off. All right. All right, now I'm taking my shirt off. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> just kidding. Grab my, grab my. That was pretty cool. That was pretty sick. All right, hang on a second. Just give me, give me some time to like mentally go through the whole movie. All right, you got three bips. Bips? What's a bip? Give me three bips to get the all clear. Otherwise, we take you out. Take you behind the barn. Dad, what are you doing? Not the fun kind. Not the one with the moo-moo cows. The Dad. kind with the shooty shoots. <laughs> Dad, stop. <laughs> the moo-moo cows. What's a moo-moo cow? What's the difference between a moo-moo cow and a normal cow? All right, you ready? No. Episode of the Kid Stays in the Podcast. I'm your host Trey Cooper, and joining me is Schoolerman Cooper. God, <laughs> Schoolerman Cooper. Yeah, I told you it was really bad. That. Um, yep. I think you should stick with your regular name for this one. No, Dad. You said you missed a really bad joke, so I didn't know they were going to get that bad. <laughs> they get worse and worse every time. Anyway, here with uh, Schoolerman Cooper, and for this week's show, we're going to. Dig a little bit into our cinematic vault. You know, sometimes we get so caught up just reviewing the latest blockbuster, we forget that we're supposed to be having an actual discussion about movies, and that needs to involve some film history. Does it, though? I, think, I mean... Yeah, I think it definitely does. I don't feel like our, our show about a cross-generational discussion about movies needs any discussion. I know. <laughs> what do you mean you know? You don't like to have any um, discussions about things. I feel like Not you're being very that, rude. You know, things that require depth and thought. That's mean. I have deep thoughts. I know, but you just don't want to think about them. Or I don't like thinking about them. That's yeah. why I listen to music all the time. And play Fortnite for 400 hours a week. I don't play Fortnite. Just be, I, I'm... You need to stop telling everyone that we know that I play Fortnite. It's really embarrassing. The, what, what, the only reason you don't play Fortnite is because you can't play Fortnite. It's not because like you don't want to play Fortnite 24 hours a day, miss school, miss meals, drop dead, an emaciated corpse with no education illiterate. That's what you would be if we didn't remove the uh, Fortnite needle from your arm. Okay. <laughs> but we really do need to stop telling people that we play, I played Fortnite for a while. Don't, and would, I don't even accidentally to. start to say we. <laughs> Sorry, I meant like we as in... Me and we, the collective we, you, yourself. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I can't have people knowing. Anyway, enough about Fortnite. Let's tell people what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to break one of my rules again. I've broken it like three times, so it's probably not a rule anymore. Or else it's three strikes and you're out and you can do the rest of the podcast yourself. Cool. But uh, I'm going to be discussing very briefly uh, the latest George Clooney directed movie, The Tinder Bar. Solomon did not watch this movie with me, so it'll be a very short discussion. 
of course, you're welcome to chime in on your thoughts of, uh, you know, I mean, my I'm, musings on the movie, whether you've seen it or not. Um, quick, quick recap on the Book of Boba Fett, where we are right now. It's episode four. We're not going to talk about that very much either. We don't really need to. Yeah, the less said, the better at this point. Yeah, honestly, I just want them to get out. I just don't want them to drown. I honestly honestly don't know what the show could do besides maybe uh, bring back every Jedi as a force ghost that would be cool enough to salvage the the show. Just have all the force ghosts in Star Wars fighting the Pikes. Dude, that'd be pretty sick. That'd be pretty sick. I have to admit. And then, um, but it would not make any sense, and it would still not help the show very much. <laughs> well, at least it would be interesting, though. That's true. Um, and then, finally, the movie we're going to be discussing today is the 2005 uh, film noir by Ryan Johnson, Brick. Brick. It was a very, very unique movie when it came out. I was curious as to how it would hold up watching it again today, so we're going to get into that. Um, and, yeah. Let's go ahead and start. Hopefully we can get through all the movies and not, because if you're making these promises, you have to make sure that we get through every single thing that we say we're going to talk about. Okay, Father? We're just going to briefly talk about two shows in one movie. Okay. I think we'll be fine. I hope not. It won't be like you trying to talk about Encanto and not even having five minutes of content, which is exactly what I knew would happen. Encanto? Oh, what? Encontent? Get it? Oh, no. That was hilarious. That was terrible. I'm so funny. I did see that Encanto, though, uh, is like one of the highest, oh, uh, like oh. biggest um, musical soundtracks mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first one that went a certain amount of time or some. Yeah. See the non-information I give people. I heard that the soundtrack did something with the charts and uppity ups. The line kept going that way and not the downy way. You're really something. You're just so smart. And <sighs> Lynn Miranda Manuel said it. I didn't really. I don't remember what he said. All I'm getting basically is the that soundtrack is like the, it's one of the biggest musical soundtracks of all time, which is kind of crazy considering a, most people haven't seen the movie. It's not that crazy. The music is is oh it's, it's is oh, exquisite. It, oh, yeah, it slaps. It, it bops. It bips. I hate you. It's it's swings from side to side. Oh, I want to cry. That's what the kids say about I'm music. Walking, That's how you know if music is good. I'm walking out of the studio. Which one of the things that I say wrong? I'm all of them. Do you say it bips? I've never said it bips. No, I don't you, even know no, what you it s- bips means. You say mean. it's a bop. It's a bop. No, that's what... The They're all bops. It's a bunch of bops. A bunch of slapping bops on that soundtrack. Slapping the bops. Nobody can see your face because some, it's a podcast, and so nobody people, can see the ridiculous face that you're making at me. Some people say it slaps, but yeah. no one says it bops, or it slaps the bops, or whatever you said. But people, say, people say it is a bop. But no one says it's a bop. That was Just, so, like, 1884, honestly. I can assure you in 1884, nobody was saying that the farmer in the dale was a bop. <laughs> Bro, they were. I heard them. I was talking to them personally. Can we get on with the episode now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Book of Sloba Fett. <laughs> Just making bad. This bad is not puns. a good. This is not good. We're uh, off to a bad start. I know. Um, yeah this this show is just not going anywhere. It is it is running in place. It is on a treadwheel, a hamster wheel. Tread, treadmill, okay. treadmill. It's okay. Um, it's not a treadmill. This reminds me of like you know that one meme where it's like the baby who's like drowning, and then like some like the girl, the mom's holding another baby, and then there's like the skeleton at the bottom of the pool. No. Well, that people do. 
Um, <laughs> that's what this reminds me of. Except for Boba Fett's The Skills in the Bottom of the Pool, and then like all these other shows are at the top. Because this is drowning. It's so bad. It's terrible. It's okay, the worst. I'm going to have to take your word for that uh, meme analogy because I don't understand what the meme is even supposed Am to mean. Am I going to have to look, look it up? No, 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 it's fine. But yeah, it, like uh, the show, we would think by, I think there's only seven episodes. We just now finished episode four. Oh, I just rubbed something in my eye. It's I thought really there's burning. only six episodes. No, there's seven episodes total. Oh, thank God. <clears throat> so we just did the fourth episode. So we should be like, you know, knee deep in the plot at this point. Not exaggerating when I say that the fourth episode ends by getting us literally to the post credit scene from The Mandalorian Season 2 when they introduced the show. Like it literally, with, with six or seven minutes left in the episode, it just now got to the part where he takes over Boba's throne, which is what he Boba, did. Jabba's throne. Sorry. Jabba's. Jabba's throne, yeah. But what he did in the very first episode and what he did in the previous it's like, I I don't know what their goal is here. What is the plot? Is it just the Pike thing? I, we don't know yet. Not really. Like all I know is that like we talked to some twins. They're gone. Um, we talked to we talked to that like the uh, Wookie. He's gone also. All of no, his the friends Wookiee's are back now. Remember? Uh, yeah, in this episode the Wookie does come back. They do actually show Wookie rip somebody's arms off because they always are talking about oh, it. That's cool. Yeah, so they show that, and then um. Yeah, and then um, Black Chrysanthemum. His name isn't Black Chrysanthemum. I know, but it's Do you it's know what Chrysanthemum like, is? Yes, yes, I do. It's a flower. I know what a Chrysanthemum that is. That you give high school women. I know what a Chrysanthemum is. <sighs> when you're in high school. I never gave anybody a Chrysanthemum in high school. Me neither. Uh, either way, so, yeah, you have, you have like a couple of things that happen in the last eight minutes that are mildly interesting, but the entire fourth episode is a flashback again. Uh, at least it's well directed because Robert Rodriguez is nowhere near the set, which is amazing. Um, but just answering questions, like if people thought that the prequel movies, George Lucas's prequel movies, were answering questions that nobody really cared about, this movie is answering questions that nobody could have even have fathomed somebody <laughs> trying to answer. I'm not kidding. Like they they are showing how he, uh, Boba Fett met Finnick Shand. My mind says. Well, we already know how he met her. He, we saw him walk up to her when she got shot. That's yep. how they met. He obviously mm-hmm. saved her life, and then they became partners. Yep. This show thinks that we need to see 45 minutes of exactly how that happened. So, Phoenix Shan, he got, she got shot. He picks her up. How did he save her life? Who we knows? Were, That's what you. I've been begging to know. I, you know how? How? He takes her to the doctor. What? That's the what space he, doctors? He takes her to the space doctor. I love the space doctors. They're my favorite people. They tried to make it cooler by making them like body modification people and they give her metal guts or whatever. But either way, it's not that cool. He, at, the end, at the end of the day, how he saved her was he took her to the doctor. Do those metal guts shoot lasers? Nope. They then don't I do not care about the metal guts. <laughs> I don't care about any of it. Uh, then in a bizarre twist, Boba Fett decides to go back to the Sarlacc pit. Now, this is could have been cool. It would have been pandering. But it could have been cool if Boba Fett was wanting revenge on the Sarlacc. Who'd been, you know what I mean? He got all messed up from the Sarlacc. He wanted to get revenge, um, and he goes back to shoot it in the head. That, yeah, that could have been in the head. Could have been fun. Yeah, and his little Sarlacc head. Yeah, he has a head. He has a head. Yes, it comes out. It's like a little beak thing they added into the special edition of the movies. Oh yeah. So anyway, he goes there, but he doesn't go there. To get revenge, because this new Boba Fett, he's nice. 
He's kind. He's forgiving. Boring. You know, all the things you want from a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes to the Sarlacc not for revenge, but instead because Boba Fett forgot where he put his clothes. <laughs> so stupid. So dumb. This is beyond explaining things that people didn't need to explain because they have brain cells. <laughs> this is somebody in the movie not knowing things that we already saw that they showed us. So they're just they're just like, well, what if he doesn't know that? Like, we already know where Boba Fett's armor is. We already watched how he loses his armor, right? Yep. We know who it traded hands to, and we know how he gets his armor back. So having Boba Fett go to the Sarlacc pit because he thinks his armor is in there is the dumbest, most convoluted way of getting him back to the Sarlacc that I could possibly imagine. Yeah, and it doesn't make any sense. Why would he... How would his clothes have ended up back there? Would the Jawas have thrown it back in there? I guess they're trying to imply that whenever he, after he fought his way out, he passed out. Then the, then the Jawas stole his armor. Uh, so he, for- he forgot that he got out with his armor on. And since he was just didn't have it on, he just assumed that he left it down in the Sarlacc. We pit. watched him flamethrower it. Yeah. Out of it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. They're just having we're just having to now assume something even dumber, which is that he got amnesia. <laughs> so bad. So es- bad. Especially because whenever the, the Jawas are taking his armor off, he's not all the way unconscious. Yeah, we saw him open his eyes and be like, Oh, you so Yeah, he just he just like out of you know energy. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, we he flamethrowed his way out. Unless he has no memory of what he did to get out, it just doesn't make any sense why he would think his armor is still in there. But yeah, like I said, it's it's mind-bogglingly inept storytelling because we already know the truth, but it's like they want the character to do something. It's kind of like they're just trying to like almost retcon their own story, right? Yeah. Like they already showed it, and they're like, well, we need him to go back in there to get his armor, but it's not there. We'll just make him just think that it is. Just I, I can't ex- express how annoying that was. But anyway, yeah, because Flash forward through them explaining every single thing we didn't need to see, how mm-hmm. Boba Fett rescues Finnick Shand, how he gets her to the doctor, how he gets his spaceship back, blah, 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 blah. All these boring things that we didn't care about. Finally getting us to the end, which is literally just, uh, he asks all the other mob bosses just to not side with the Pikes. That's it. He doesn't get them to side with them. He doesn't have any clever speech or anything. He just says, hey, can you guys just not side with him? And they're like, sure, we'll just be neutral. What a boring... And that's the only other scene in the present. Anyway, who knows? Apparently the Mandalorian music played. The cue played whenever he said he was going to call in some muscle. So everyone's like, oh... That's cool. Mando's going to be the muscle. They're going to bring in the Mandalorians. Was it like... Yep, yep. Yep, is that But yeah, that's kind of... I mean, the, the deep cut that you're going to bring back after you've ended the last show by bringing back Luke Skywalker, your big deep cut that you're going to do is just bring back a character from your other show. Mm-hmm. Just kind of lame. Disappointing. Yeah, this whole, this whole, this whole show has been really uh, kind of a train wreck. I'm kind of sad. It's kind of, it's like really, it's really saddening. Yeah. I mean, those cause they were going hard. They were going strong, you know, yeah. they were sprinting through great shows, all beautiful. They did, they did, there are two seasons of Mando, and then they brought back the like uh, the last season of Clone Wars, and it was all beautiful. It was all wonderful, and then they did this to us. 
attacking attacking all their loyal fans. Look, if they can pull out at least a couple of good episodes at the end once they actually get into the plot, because my guess is they only had about three episodes worth of content that they needed to stretch out to seven episodes, um, then at least we'll have like a little mini series that we can watch every once in a while. You know, we'll just skip all the other episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as it stands, deeply, deeply disappointing. But at least this last episode, uh, like if this last episode would have been the f- pilot, it would have been really good. It's well, it's well executed. But yeah. coming as the fourth episode, it's just unforgivable lack of movement and, and a plot that already has not moved. You know, it's been yeah, it's like a it's like a bantha. Yeah, except for the bantha also rolled backwards several times and then started walking back forwards again. Well, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna just move us forcibly to the next topic because I it makes me sad and sleepy talking about this show. Yeah, and I had a coffee and I'm tired. After talking about the show? Yes. Well, you're going to be really bored during this conversation because I'm going to talk about the Tinder bar. Okay. So, like I said, Solomon didn't watch this movie. Lucky him. I put it on on a recommendation of uh, some really good friends of mine who I normally trust their, their you know, they know what, I, what kind of things that I would like. So even if it didn't get very good reviews, they have a pretty good idea if I'm going to like it or not, right? Hey, they're also our family, Dad. Yes. So family and friends. They're family and our friends. I feel like we should let them know. I think that by saying they're our family, it takes credit away from us trusting their opinion. Like it would be if I were like, my mom told me to watch it. So you could have just should have just left it there. Yeah. Family you can't choose and friends you can see the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but like Yeah, we're so good, you we're see good. how you, you ruined it now. Now now their credibility is shot. Well, I just Now I'm gonna say that somebody else told me about the movie. Okay. Whatever. I don't know. All right, sure. Anyway, I was at the circus, and these three clowns came up to me, and they told me to watch this movie called The Tinder Bar. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> that's really weird, because you just called them clowns. Well, that's what you forced me to do. So The Tinder Bar is a coming-of-age story starring Ben Affleck and Ty Sheridan, along with Doc from Back to the Future. He's in it, farting it up. And nope, that is not, uh, you know... Some kind of allegory. The opening scene of him is just him farting for about five straight minutes. Oh, wait, are you serious? Mm-hmm. This is going to be so fun for me because I get to re- I get to listen to you talk and then I can react on the podcast. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I am a sucker for coming of age movies. Solomon knows this. Everybody who's known me for a minute knows it. I love I, coming of age movies. I like coming of age books. I also love these things. Um, maybe it's because I'm hoping that one day I will come of age and finally reach mature adulthood and it just keeps not happening. Who knows? But either way, I love them. Mm-hmm. So Tinder Bar came out, didn't get very good reviews. Not un, not shocking to me. George Clooney is not a particularly strong director, but normally his movies are just kind of boring. They're not, you know, horrendously inept. Mm-hmm. There, There's always all the elements are assembled to make a good movie or let's say they're not assembled to make a good movie. All the ingredients are there in the kitchen, but once yeah. they're assembled, the movie just somehow is not good. He did a movie called Leatherheads with John Krasinski. That oh, should I have love been John Krasinski. It should have been really great. It just kind of fell flat. He did a movie called The Monuments Men about a secret task force that was going in to steal the artwork that the Nazis stole from the Jews and steal it back. Okay, should have been really great, boring, lame, and that movie had an all-star cast. Yeah, it seems like he's got the Wagyu meat for his delicious sandwich, and he's not making 
Yeah, delicious and instead he makes chicken salad with it. I see. Chicken salad with the Wagyu? Exactly. That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, um, this movie, uh, every directorial decision that George Clooney makes is is bad, is wrong. Oh, okay. So it starts off with this horrendously cloying voiceover that irritated me so instantaneously and so deeply that really the movie never could recover from it. So every time I could even slightly start to get into the movie, here comes this awful voiceover. And it's the worst kind of voiceover. It's one from the point of view of the kid when he's an adult, but with no perspective or wraparound reason for it to exist, except for to tell us what everybody's feeling or how people feel about a certain place, but in the least insightful way possible. And with the most aggressively purple flowery language that is ends up being just hellishly banal. So I'll give you an example. Movie opens. Mm-hmm. It's also the movie is, is is pretty well shot. Like as far as the cinematography, it looks great. So and this is a serious movie. Remember the, the five minutes of farting. This is in a movie that they wants to take you very you to take very seriously. That deals with alcoholism, uh, abandonment issues, class, race, privilege, oh, all education. The yeah, it wants to kind of like talk about all these these things. So it's a it's a it is a serious movie. Um, it opens with a shot of a. Uh, you know, a house in the suburbs of, I think, New Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's New Jersey. And the kid and his mom are unpacking, and he's like, Once again, we were back at Grandpa's house. I always liked my Grandpa's house. It smelled like pasta and love. Wanted to kill myself immediately. <laughs> I instantly wanted to blow my brains out <laughs> as soon as it started. And I'm a sentimental guy. I'm a sap for this kind of stuff. And this was just so awful. And then we go in, and we meet the Grandpa. Farty Magoo, he just keeps farting and then saying, it wasn't me. Like, honestly, they just started playing the Shaggy song. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> and it, it, But it wasn't funny at all. He just keeps doing it, and it keeps going on and on and on. And that's your introduction to the character in this, like, kind of serious movie. Um, Off to a good start. And then Ben Affleck, he's actually really good, even though he's basically doing his Goodwill hunting thing, just, like, as an older guy. He plays an uncle who's kind of a genius who reads all these books, but he's a bartender and a common guy. Never got to go to college, never got to leave the house, et cetera, et cetera. And he he teaches uh, the young Tyler. It's not Tyler Sheridan at at this point, but either way, he teaches the, the, the kid what he calls like the male sciences. So fortunately, the male sciences in this aren't like what they actually would have been in the 70s. You know what I mean? Like sexist. Okay. They're all nice, like, you know, you never hit a woman, and you always do this. And they have all these silly little things that he has that are supposed to be kind of, like, cute and clever. Will be like, look at my wallet. This is called the, the munchie pocket. You always want to keep your munchies in there. Munchies are $100 bills, you know? Keep your munchies in there and your spendies on the outside. When you go with the dame, you always want to have your spendies and your munchies. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, what? what? Sorry, I'm I so did, confused. I didn't mean to blaspheme. 
but it was so irritating. It was just supposed to be like so clever and cute. Like he always had these little names for everything. You know what I mean? He's like in the car and he's showing him how to drive. And he's like, and this is the glove box, but you never keep gloves in there. You always keep a couple paper towels in case a lady needs to wipe her lipstick. I call them the powderies. You keep the powderies in the glovey. I'm just like, oh, just, I can't handle it. So anyway, the whole movie goes on. It's all, it's all mawkish and sentimental. And, um, the voiceover keeps going and they, they make one of the weirdest, especially for 22, especially considering this is George Clooney, most bizarre choices that I can imagine where they have. And also this, just so you know, the story is incredibly directionless, and pointless in case you can't tell. It's just basically about a kid who grows up and kind of goes to college, but they don't show us any of the interesting parts of that. Mm. Um, Sounds like a good time. Uh, but they have his, his girlfriend um, is a very attractive black woman who keeps breaking up with him because she's actually cheating on her fiance with him every time. And then she breaks up with him. She takes him home for Christmas and breaks up with him on Christmas. That's because rude. In, and every single time she's like, I'm still seeing this guy. I'm still seeing this guy. She keeps doing it all the way till they're married. So she's kind of a douchebag. Yeah. And then when he takes her home for Christmas, then you have her family who are wealthy. Uh, I, th- I think the dad was white and the mom was black. And they have those people being incredibly rude, condescending, kind of racist towards the white guy. And I was like, what was George Clooney thinking? This movie is set in the 70s, and you're going to make the bad guys of the movie, if there are any besides the alcoholic abusive dad, that are privileged and wealthy you're going to make it be the only other black people in the entire movie. They're the bad guys and not, not just that they're the bad guys. They're the bad guys because they're snobby and wealthy and look down on poor white people. Whew, that is a swing and a miss there, George. That was just the most, like I'm not trying to say that movies need to make sure they're covering every single politically correct base. But this was just a misstep at a level that I could not understand. That, um, it wasn't it, it. They didn't address anything with it. Sorry, were you going to say something? I'm just shocked at how badly you can make a decision. Like it had been one thing if they were if they were trying to have a conversation around that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they they weren't. They didn't do anything with it. It was just like not thought through. It was it was imbecilic. I agree. That sounds idiotic. Um. Anyway, the movie. The, the voiceover kind of stops. He goes and confronts his alcoholic dad. That's a decent scene, but it's really played weird. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it too much. I know you haven't seen it, but I just had to get to the end because every time I think of the end of this movie, it makes me irate. Okay. It makes All me, right. it makes me cringe in half. My eyeballs start doing backflips. It just was so dumb. So the end of the movie, you're getting a good performance by from Ben Affleck. Him and Sheridan have like really good chemistry. The voiceover hasn't reared its ugly head in, you know, at least 30 minutes. So I'm finally starting to get into the end of the movie. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to be able to walk out of here giving this movie at least like a C. You know what I mean? Yeah. Performance are good. I'm feeling good when it's over. And this uncle gives him his car. And he's like, hey, this is for you. You always need, you know, you, you deserve it. You need wheels. You know, he's got to have wheels if you want to get a lady. So he, he's in his car. He's all excited. All the bar tender, all the bar patrons come out, see him get in the car. They're like, hey, it's a man car. Are you man enough to handle that car? And he's like, yeah. Anyway, it's a, it's a sweet scene, right? Because they all watch him grow up, and he's going to Yale. Now he works at the New York Times, and now he has his uncle's car. Um, 
And then he gets in the car. He's driving down the highway. Sheridan's, again, good performance. Everything's in his eyes. His joy. He's looking forward to the future. You can kind of see it. Yeah, good. Just good. And then that voiceover has to come explain everything we saw, but in the dumbest way possible. So it's like, and that's the day my uncle gave me my first car. There I was driving down the highway. I had my munchies in my munchie pocket in my wallet, and I had my spindies in the spindy pocket, paper towels in the bloody blot and the bloopity boobs, and I was looking forward to my future. Didn't know where I was going to go, but I knew I was on the right path. And then I actually blew my brains out. <laughs> oh, how are you here today? Zombie. I see. I'm mean, serious as a zombie. Mm. So, yeah, after that, that was the uh, bullet in the uh, nail in the coffin for for that movie, that last bit of uh, voiceover. Mm. Um, Oh, and also the movie. I did not understand the name of the movie. Did not understand it. Did not understand it. And someone's like, yeah, it's just a dumb pun. And I was like, I don't even understand what the pun would be. It's not a pun. It's nothing. It doesn't make any sense. And it's that Ben Affleck is a bartender. Yep. So Tinder bar. That's not a joke. I get, I know. And the kid never says that. It's not like he's dyslexic and reads bartender one day and says Tinder bar. Yeah. They never say the word Tinder bar ever in the movie. Yeah. That's just like, if I, I mean, no, there's no, there's nothing they could compare to. Like if I called a doctor, like the, the tour doc. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not two words, but sure. It's bartender. Bartender is one word though, right? Yeah. So it, I mean, so technically, but they are could I'm, be two words. Either I'm way, a, either way, you're right. It's dumb. It's not really a joke. It's not really a pun. And now a word from our sponsors. <sighs> I just had to. I honestly just needed to exercise that movie into the microphone and out of me. And, and into the audience. They need to be able to... It's like a horcrux now, the audience is. Bearing the different parts of my soul that movie obliterated. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm glad you got to, to release that then. Can we talk about the movie now? Yes. Sorry. Let's talk about... Brick. Brick. Yeah. Ryan Johnson, I believe it's his debut feature film. Uh, yeah. It was... Or Rain Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I told Solomon that I for years and years, a decade... A decade? I probably was calling him Rain Johnson. I think my dad is dyslexic. It's just weird. You just don't normally see an the AI combination that way. I'm trying to think of any other situation where you'd see the I before the A, so I think my brain just automatically switches them. Brian. Oh, yeah, in a name, but I mean like in a word. Yeah, but it's a name. So Brian, okay. Ryan, just take away the B. Do you call him Brain? <laughs> That's not how Ryan is normally spelled. Doesn't matter. Brian can be spelled with a Y. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, so this movie, I actually, whenever we were watching it, uh, full disclosure, I wanted to get watch some classic uh, modern noir movies with Solomon. And I was going to start with one that I thought was really fun, really pulpy, and that is was Red Rock, Red Rock West. A lot of people haven't seen it. I thought it would be fun for the audience. thought it would be fun for us. You can't get that movie. Uh, I'm going to see if I can order it on Amazon. Uh, hopefully there's someone, maybe some little studio, maybe Shout Factory or somebody has Shout. put it on uh, Blu-ray. Let it all out. Um, I'm just going to ignore you. I'm just singing a, <laughs> a song, man. Obviously. And so we couldn't watch that. So I was trying to think of another movie that would be a good intro into noir. 
Because it's better if you have some familiarity with it before you just kind of dive into, you know, some of the more dense stuff like the Coen Brothers stuff. So, uh, and especially before we go into like Lynch. Yeah, you're going to need I agree. Well, so the, <laughs> why are you saying I, it like that? I concur. So look, whenever we were watching this movie, and I'm going to let you do the introduction, but uh, the pre-introduction, the preamble, if you will, uh, emphasis on the ramble part is that, like, you know how dense the dialogue was in this, right? And it's pur- purposefully very stylized. Yeah. But it made it, like, you you got to be you gotta be really tracking, right? Because they're just bouncing stuff off, and every single thing, and this movie's kind of an extreme example, but, like, every single thing was, like, a metaphor, a simile, or a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And, and, and you're having to, like, figure out what it is they're trying to say while keeping up with the dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll be like, oh, it feels like I have rocks for brains, so I better hit the gravel yard. And you're like, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean going to sleep? But And then by the time you figure that out, there's, like, 30 more people who've, uh, you know, said something. Yeah. So, anyway, that's how we landed on Brick, right? It's pretty – it's new-ish. 2005 is not too old, so I didn't think Solomon would uh, get bored. And it's also it's set in a high school. But it is taking its plot incredibly seriously. It does There's not only feel like it's set in of, high school. But it is, though. I know. I'm just saying it doesn't feel like it. I don't understand what you mean by that. Like, it, I, I don't feel like I'm in a high school, Dad. There's a cafeteria like, and a football field. We never, gym, we never went to the cafeteria. And a theater, in that movie. theater. We went to the theater. But everything was very obviously just supposed to be a, like a... Uh, what is it called? A private investigator? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was like... Watching that, except for it was in school, but you couldn't really tell the difference. It was like Encyclopedia Brown, but like rated R and taken really seriously. It was exactly like Encyclopedia Brown. (laughs) I love that book. (laughs) Except for Encyclopedia Brown actually didn't talk like a gumshoe properly. Well, yeah, although that would have been really fun. I loved Encyclopedia Brown. So did I. You introduced me to it. What's funny is I would read Encyclopedia Brown, and if I couldn't solve the mystery on my own, I would like sneak to the back and try and like just read a little bit, and then be like, oh, yeah, the... I did it, was, it was Mo Turner. Mo Turner did it. I figured I, it out. I didn't I, cheat and look. I did but you're like cheating on yourself. <laughs> I did the same thing. It's so funny because I remember doing that exact same thing. You were like, did you figure out who the murderer was? I was like, oh, yeah, the clown did it. Um, He did it with the shoes. I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I figured it out. Yeah, you always you always were a really bad liar about it because you never would read the explanation of how he did it. You, so you just say, he just was obvious. It's yeah. just obvious that he did. I know, I, but I needed to know that I won. Oh, again, you just beat yourself by cheating against yourself in your own brain. Mm-hmm. So uh, now that the preamble's over, do you want to just kind of give us a quick overview of this movie? Kind of, you know, you don't have to really give a plot synopsis because it's a noir, so it's going to be pretty, uh, you know, twisty and turny. So you can just give us a general synopsis of the plot. And, uh, yeah, maybe your thoughts on the tone. Like, how would you describe the tone of this movie? You know, just give us a just give us a general sense of uh, you know where you're at going into this going into this experiment. Uh, experiment. Okay. Um, I don't. Okay. General synopsis. Mm-hmm. I don't like it when you just throw me out into the water when I can't swim. Um, you can swim. You've done a, like twenty synopses so far. Yeah, but those are different synop. Those are those are different ones. Those are the ones where I'm not good at them. This anyway, one. You go ahead and do your synopsis. I'm gonna play some Candy Crush while I wait for you to get it out. Candy Crush. Do you even have Candy Crush? Okay, all right. Oh, I'm sorry. You're very distracting. Okay, so basically, 
this guy likes a girl. The girl is found dead. And then we're trying to figure out why. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the guy liked a girl. It's his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. But he still, she still, he still likes her. Yeah. Uh, w- the only thing I would have uh, amended is if I was going to describe the movie, I would be like, it's about this guy. He gets this frantic call from his ex-girlfriend. Two days later, she's dead. He's trying to figure it out. Yeah, but that's not how we're introduced to the movie. Yeah, I understand that, but the way you start at the, when you start telling a movie, you don't have to start at the very beginning. Whenever if you're saying you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I understand. You got it. Also, I noticed because whenever they do the two days previous thing, they say two days previous. Yeah. And for for some reason, I I, I like fixated on it. I wondered why they didn't say two days prior. I don't know. Choice, stylistic choice. Maybe it it, it, it was. Uh, did it fit across the screen better? Or, I don't know. Like. I just prefer, I just like the way two days prior sounds. Or two days before. Yeah, but I think prior sounds like more cool. And Maybe it's because they brought the title up while they were still on the scene where she was dead. So then it was saying two days previous, like we're now we're moving somewhere. I don't think it, I don't think they put it after it cut to being because if it was, if it was. What? If so. Look, well, I just want to know. I just want to know why they use previous instead of prior. Because they're moving. They're the scene is moving backwards. Then, and if you put two days prior, two days before, or whatever, I think it implies that that's where you were at right now. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I think that's. I think that might be why. But that's anyway, not usually. What let's it not fixate on the oh, the first, you know, opening whatever thing. Yeah. Okay. Subtitle. Yeah, whatever. All right. What next? What next question, Dad? I'm, this is not an interview show. It feels like an interview. Let's go. What's next? I just wanted you to. I, I wanted to get a pretty like an idea of like how you went into this movie. Like, what did you know about like film noir? What did okay. you know the tone of this movie? Here's what I know about so. film noir. Are you right? Ready? Um, spider noir from Into the Spider Verse. Really? That's all I knew was expected was going to happen, and I was really excited because I love him. He's like my favorite Spider Man in that in that uh. Uh, into so the what do you mean you really thought that was going to happen? You thought there was going to be Spider-Man in this? I thought it was, no, I thought it was going to be black and white. He was going to have a fedora on, and he was going to be like, I walked down the streets of the back alley. Well, I wanted it was a to, cold, rainy night. I wanted to take you see, to see Casablanca, and that would have been like that. Do you want to go do that? No, you said that's old. Oh, my. You said it, said it, was, you thought it was going to be black and white. Yeah, but I thought it would have been like stylistically black and white, not by not, by not choice. I, th- I think you would like Casablanca. It's really, really well paced. It's showing right now at Cinemark. And it's in black and white? Yes. And it's... it's all, no, quick, brisk 90 minutes. Is it good? It's, I, it's one of my... I, I watched that movie when I was like 12, and I thought I was going to be so bored out of my skull, and I just loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I've seen it like 10 times. Okay. And you were 12? No, since I was 12. I watched it a bunch of times when I was but 12. But whenever you were 12, you watched it? Multiple times. That's awesome. Okay, then I can watch that. Um, so yeah, I thought it was going to be exactly like, uh, spider noir that that's literally my only idea of what noir was. Um, so I kind of got that except for it wasn't in black and white and he didn't have a fedora on, but no. he was still, he was still like a detective. Yeah. To figure he, stuff out. He, he was a gum shoe with like the, with the actual tattered shoes that were, you know, kind of falling apart. Yeah. Um, I agree. He, this he, is true. Uh, so you, you know, the tone was there. Yeah. I got I got my Spider Noir. Yeah. 
I, isn't that isn't that funny though? I felt like it was funny. I feel like it's funny that that's what my modern I'm, noir. I just feel like there you have to have seen something else that was more kind of noir. I mean, I saw that. I mean, Batman kind of is. Well, sure. I mean, um, I hate to keep naming superhero movies. It makes it seem like you're film illiterate. What? What's that? Um, what's that? That show with um Robin in it? Mm, no. Second that are noir. It's kind of leaning that way, but I wouldn't put that. Put that. No. Can you tell me what it's called? It's the name of the bar, or the name of the town. Isn't it called? It's called like Stamp Creek or something. Yeah, Stump Town. Stump Town. Look at that. Look at that teamwork we did. All right. Uh, um. Stamp Creek. Yeah, yeah, there has to be. I know. I know. There's something else that you've seen. It's like an actual noir. Or there's not, and we can just accept that. Okay, it's fine. Encyclopedia Brown and Spider Man are as close as you ever got. Yep. Yeah. So, did you find the movie too dense? Was it difficult for you to get into it? I mean, I think I was following. I feel like my brain was kind of like running all around while I was watching the movie, but that's just because I'm a, a weird brain, and I just kept thinking about when my milk was going to expire because I just had some cereal. That's just not paying attention. That has nothing to do with the movie. No, I know. I'm just saying. I, other than that, I think I was able to keep up pretty well. Um, there were some things I had to ask, like, what did he say or, like, what I, what, what does that mean? What is... It's really funny. Every t- time the, I do, the like... two double uh, sticks with the bow and arrow... In my face or whatever. I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Every time I try and do like a, a version of like example of what the dialogue is like, you always look at me like I'm an idiot. And then you just try to do it and you sound like <laughs> a, a buffoon. Hi. That was rude. Well, it's just it's rude that you're being so condescending to me when I'm giving actual examples that sound like something people would say in film noir. Dad, and then you're like. Earlier you said the. What did you say? I don't know. You would know. I said a lot of things earlier, like in the podcast. No, not in the podcast. While we were at the house. Oh yes, I remember everything that I said while we were at the house. (laughs) Okay, Dad, you said like the the deaf line with the double bing bang in the in the. uh, You read read the book to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you said. Not say that. That's exactly what you said, Um, and it was terrible, and I was really annoyed. I said that you got an audio book, and then bing bang smackety smack, you got it memorized. That makes sense. No, it doesn't. What's a smick, bing, bang, smack? I was just making, smack. making a new joke about the dialogue in the movie. Okay, but that was what the dialogue was. It was really quick and fun. and Yeah, and it, it was dense. It was dense. So I was, I was like, leaned up forward so I could make sure I was catching up with everything. So that's good. That was smart. Because yeah, it, kept me, it kept me on my toes, you know. It kept me up and running. Did you think the... Um would you, how'd you like the plot? Do you think it was like, did they, were they able to like actually make a twisty plot? Because they have like gangs, but the gangs are like the theater kids and then the, you know, whatever kids. Yeah, I, it was really, it's really cool. Um, I, I enjoyed the gangs because it was, it was weird. I, I like, and I keep saying this, but I, it, I kept forgetting that I was in high school, but it was really funny because they were like, he, the vice principal would call him in. And you'd be like, all right, man, I, I'm going to need someone to send to the police if you can't figure out what's going on here. I know you're clean. I know you're up, but we got to we got to figure something out. You're going to be my going to be my backup if I can't find anyone. Yeah, like I said, he was supposed to be kind of like whenever the p- private eye gets called into the district attorney's office or the police chief's office. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's like, listen here, bub, someone's going up river. If you don't help me, I can't help you. Yeah. Except for it's the vice principal. Yeah, it was it was it was really weird. It, it was really funny how he'd work little high school terms into this very serious dialogue, right? Yeah. Because they'd be like, he'd be like, "Don't be checking up on me in homeroom. If you go to homeroom and you start dragging my stuff around everywhere, I'm gonna get narked." Got it? The vice principal's like, "Fine, I won't I won't go into your homeroom and ask any questions, but you better eat, be eating lunch in the normal spot." It was like 
very clever. I thought how they yeah worked it, that stuff it, in it, there. It, it's just really it's re- yeah it's really smart and um, everything. I it, it felt so normal to have this super serious like PI guy who's just a so- like a sophomore or freshman in high school. Right. He's like really smart and everything is just in high school, but nothing like high school. I mean, I'm not going out solving murders. Right. Well, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting in hindsight is that um, he he isn't a detective, though. He's not Encyclopedia Brown. You no. know what I mean? Yeah. His dad's not the police chief. Yeah. Like, he has. there's no reason why he's particularly good at this. It's just, like, basically just, making a high school story into a noir for the sake of it. You yeah. know what I mean? That's all it is. Yeah. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the... There's no real big cast. It's only isn't there only like one famous person or one person that you knew? Well, there's a it's a normal sized cast, but there's not most of the actors are unknown. So it's directed by Ryan Johnson. The only name that I recognize, uh, besides Joseph Gordon Levitt, who's the lead, yeah, it was um, Lucas Haas, and yeah. that's it. Like I didn't recognize any of other people's names. Yeah, it, it it and honestly, really great performances from these. People that we have no idea who they are. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that um, when I initially, so I whenever we watched this, I actually thought that I hadn't seen this movie. I was actually thinking of Ryan Johnson's second movie, which I I, I haven't seen. Um, but when we were watching this, I was like, oh, this is really familiar. So this movie came out right whenever I was at the, it was either graduating from film school. It was a year after I graduated. I can't remember. It was but, two years before I was born. <laughs> yes, two years before you were born. Um, so when I first watched the movie, I think I turned it off probably a quarter of the way through because it was not what I thought because all the reviews were saying like, Oh, it's hilarious, quirky, you know, and I was expecting like a rated R encyclopedia Brown. You know what I mean? They're using funny nor dialogue, but it's a comedy. It's like Mean Girls or whatever. And this movie is just not like that. No, not at all. It's It takes itself very seriously, and it's done very well. It's not like, it doesn't seem like it's being over the top or being too serious about itself. No, it wor- it, 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 it just works. It just, Yeah, I know. I don't know. I um, don't know. They're just really good directors, I guess. I think I'll... Or director. I normally am not the person who says this because it annoys the crap out of me when people say it to me. But um, when someone says... Oh, this comedy, it's so great, it's hilarious, but like not like laugh out loud funny, not like not like ha ha funny, just kind of like the where in your mind you're like, oh, it's really funny. I'm like, so you mean it's not a comedy? Get out of here, you douchebag, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like for me though that that makes sense though cuz I I only laugh at my friends now. What's the last comedy you watched? Who knows? I don't know. I feel like I see you laughing all the time. Maybe, maybe I, I laugh at stand up. Yeah, that stand up, the hilarious stand up that I'm doing, for performing for you, twenty four hours a day for free. I'm, free I'm just saying, like movies don't make me laugh too often unless it's really funny. I can't think of the last comedy, but I don't think that's exactly true. I'm thinking whenever, whenever the last time we watched a couple comedy movies, I feel like you laugh really hard. And that was when I was twelve. Nope. I haven't watched a comedy in three years. Either way, all to say that this movie is the kind of movie that I would have to say it's the f- I wouldn't call it a comedy first of all it's not so it's not. they shouldn't say that but I will say that I do find it very funny just because the juxtaposing the high school setting 
with this really dark noir. And it's it's also not like just um like a surface coating. Like dangerous things are happening. Yeah. People are getting shot in the face. People yeah. are getting stabbed. There are People guns. Are getting there are cops. Beat up. Yeah. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's, so it's it's not it's it's not uh, just like a noir sheen. Yeah. Over over top of the movie. We have drugs. We have violence. We have murder. Murder. Death. It's awesome. And the most powerful weapon of all, love. <laughs> we were we we knew we knew yeah, we were in sync. Yep. So when it comes to um like the way the movie was shot. The, this movie was, was a indie movie, so it was done on a budget back before indie movies. The, people were still shooting on film, right? Yeah. So um, you're really limited with what you can do. Uh, did you? How, how did you think the cinematography actually, held up? I, I forgot to mention it, but like towards the beginning, because I was, I kept, I kept, like, I kept trying to like um, take a step back, like out of the movie, so I could actually like take some mental notes of what I thought was really interesting about the movie. So it could actually be prepared for the podcast. Right. Instead of having to think about it afterwards. Um, so I kept kind of getting distracted because it towards the beginning of um, the movie, there was this like this great shot that I really liked. And it was the shot of the cigarette on the road. Mm-hmm. It was just really well like composed. And I just really liked the way it looked. I don't, I know that's just a random thing. I just thought it looked really good and it looked really cool. Yeah, no, I think he had, and it's also it's 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 shot in a way where you know it, it's basically saying this is a clue. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, it's a good way to start the move like start off in the movie because it's telling the audience, "Hey, be looking out for this." You know what I mean? There are going to be clues and I'm going to yeah. be showing you them. And um there was it, it, they they did some cool shots where it felt like suspenseful, you know, like they kept like cutting away and like zooming in on like like a like a like a payphone with like behind a like behind some like leaves or something or like a house behind some leaves. There was for some reason there was a lot of leaves. Apparently I didn't notice all the leaves. Um, and also there was like this um, core spot. It was like the, um, the big, what is it? Sewer pipe. Yeah. I don't know. Some kind of drainage. Yeah. Um, Culvert. It, I feel like it was all, every time you went there, it was shot the exact way. Like it was the centerpiece of the whole, right. the whole shot. And um, I thought that was cool. It, it was like a core, you could very it was very obvious that that was like a, a core setting that you were going to be visiting a lot. Yeah, I think um, for me, I think it's incredibly well shot. Um, and I think that there, while you can see his budgetary limitations, especially in some of the interior settings, they're yeah. not very well decorated. They're really, you know, kind of Spartan. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the budget kind of creeping in. But for the most part, like the like the set that's like um, the kingpin, his uh, his lair, if you will. Yeah, which is his first mom's of all, it's basement. funny because his mom's basement. Yeah. yeah, but again, there's no, there's hardly any set decorations. But I think in that set, they were able to use proper framing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, like he was a sinner and he had like yeah. two lamps. Yeah, and just two like sconces. Yeah, and kind of a ratty desk. Um, it just, it just, it kind of, it really worked. Some of the other parts, though, when they show in the house, the lack of set decorations or at a school, you know what I mean? Um, the Again, with the theater, he was able, like in the very opening shot, remember when he's talking to her? Yeah. And they're in that theater room. Um, they were able to use lighting to create uh, some dynamism in the shot. So remember all the people were in the background, kind of like just moving lights and stuff, but they were just silhouettes yeah. and everything else was dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I bet the rest of that theater wasn't decorated and yeah. they didn't have any extras. But they had like the stage lit. Yes, and so they had like the people a, there. So, right, so he's able to use his skills as a director. Yeah, he's um, he's very smart. Yeah, I think it was really clever. 
So there's a couple times when he can't really fudge it very well. Like I think the principal's office is a really good scene example. It didn't feel dressed. The set didn't feel dressed enough, so it felt very setty to me. Yeah. Um. But I mean, he worked with this budget very well. Yeah, I mean, I look. I, this is it's weird to say because it's a great movie as, as it is. I would really like to see. Um, again, this is something else that I ne- almost never say. I'd really love to see Ryan Johnson take another stab at this. Um, you know, directors sometimes do this. Uh, like Evil Dead Two is basically just Evil Dead One again with a better budget. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would actually really like to see. Ryan Johnson with his clout that he has now, the budget that he has now, do this exact same movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, throw in some maybe some stronger actors in some of those side roles. Uh, what was the kid's name who was like the the big bullyish guy in this movie? Who, who, Tug? Tug. The kid that played him, like, God bless him, but he just looked silly. Yeah, he looked so funny. He, I, I'm not even joking. He looked like my cousin. But tall. How old is your cousin? He is five. Because <laughs> <laughs> should have not buried the lead there. <laughs> I forgot that no one knows who my cousin is. Yeah. Do you know which cousin I'm talking about? No. Okay. Doesn't matter. I'm not gonna like. If I, he looks like a five year old. Yeah, because he literally is like bent over with his arms like straight jutted out, and he looks so funny. And he walks across the parking lot trying to look all macho. But the parking lot is so long. Yeah. So we just we just keep cutting towards him while he's like walking all mad all the way back to his car. Yeah. And it, like the joke is there, but I think that Ryan could sell it better now being able to do some more cuts. You know what I mean? Because I think that yeah. I think that's part of the joke is that he always like tensed up and he looks ridiculous and all roided out. Yeah. Um, well, he was so silly. That actually was making me laugh out loud. Yeah. That was making me laugh too. He looked so silly. Yeah, and so silly. The, the thing is, it's so great about that that character more than the actor's performance is that like he goes from like being re- like this buffoonish guy who just you know what I mean is full of rage and going around punching people in the face. Yeah. Until he starts shooting people in the head, and yeah. then he's scary. Yeah, he's again. Then he, he's not. It seems a joke. like he's like going crazy, man. Yeah. Like at first he's just punching people, and then he just. Like, it's, like, his first instinct. Just, like, punch them, knock them out, and then, like, whip out a gun and go bang, 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 and murder everyone in the room. It's really scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, look, we're, we're about at time. So um, I'll just say it was great for, for me. It was really great to go back and revisit this movie to actually finish it. I didn't feel like I understood it or got it whenever I first watched it, and now I feel really silly because it's pretty, you know what I mean? You, I should have known what I was getting myself into. Um, really great to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt like at the very beginning is, of his career, uh, knowing what stuff he's going to go on to do. Um, but yeah, I th- I think that this should be something that we continue. You know, we, we're kind of in a movie drought right now, and I'd love to keep watching some of this stuff and you know move through some you know move into some Coen Brothers move. Uh, you know, we'll start off modern, so I'm not pushing you too hard. Yeah, and you know, move into some Coen Brothers, uh, move into some then move into some Lynch. And, uh, yeah, eventually we can actually go back to, like, the you know, Sam Harlow and the, the kind of original film noirs. Um, yeah, I I agree with all the things. I know all the terms <laughs> you're using also. <laughs> really terms. There's people's names. I don't know them. Uh, Casablanca, though, I don't think necessarily would qualify as film noir. It's not really a huge mystery there. It's more like a, a love story. 
but they do all wear fedoras and smoke cigarettes. I do like fedoras and smoking cigarettes. I mean, I don't like smoking cigarettes. So anyway, I know uh, this movie's been out for a while. I like for these these uh, going through these things to be more like discussions than movie reviews. But, I but still what were your final overall thoughts? Honestly, I really want to give it like a ten. Okay, out of ten. But like, there were just some issues like you're talking about. But for like, I mean, it was 2005, and he was not, like, a huge director. That was, that was his debut movie, right? I believe so, yes. So, like, considering what he was working with and yes. how... <laughs> I, I, whatever. Um, considering what he was working with and how well and, like, greatly executed it is, I feel like it deserves a 10. Because, I mean, if he... I think, I'm sure if he redid it now, like you said, it would be excellent. It, it would be a 10. So I feel like I'm going to give it a 10 because I don't feel like he's going to go back and do it again. Well, um, I, I I wouldn't. I'm not going to give it a rating. I would say that my ten out of ten th- bricks. Good job. Thank you. Well, glad that, I'm really glad you liked it that much. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you'll like the as we move into these other things. I think that you're going to really like them as well. And you know, you'll see that there's a lot more uh, that the world of cinema has to offer than just Spider-Man movies and uh, <laughs> you know, Fortnite Fortnite themed. Why? Fortnite themed movies like Free Guy. I'm Dad, stop bringing up Fortnite in my in this discussion anyway, about a great movie. Take us out of here so you can go home and not play some Fortnite. Follow us at Kid in the Pick on Instagram. Well, we need to do it again with more enthusiasm. Nobody wants to follow us when you're being all depressed. Follow us on Kid in the Pick on Instagram. At Wait, at Kid in the Pick on Instagram? Yeah, uh-huh. Follow us at Kid in the Pick on Instagram and... On RoadMediaNetwork.com. Till next time. I won't be seeing you. Make sure you subscribe, follow us on Kids Stays in the Picture on Instagram, or follow us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.